Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. And for about 120 years, 100 to 120, give or take, depending on your reading of the text, Noah, his job to fight the wickedness in his generation was to build a boat. And we don't think about combating the wickedness of our culture today in those terms. Right? We think about going viral on YouTube, We think about, I don't know, the potential of a civil war one day, God forbid. We think about voting, and we should. We think about running for local office, and we should. We think about all these different measures, these different strategies to combat wickedness in our day. But Noah defeated the whole world. It was a whole world versus Noah. And Noah won. And he won by hanging out in his backyard for 120 years building a boat. I just want to draw out a couple things from the text since I gave up on my notes about 25 minutes ago. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Fathers in the room, what are you constructing for the saving of your household? What are you currently working on? What are you building? for the saving of your household. See, the strategy for conservatives and Christians for about the last 50, 60 years has been four simple steps. Number one, and this is vital. Republicans are are very diligent to never miss this first step. Number one, get beat. Lose. Got to lose. Very committed to that. And so is the premillennial Christian, for the record. Get beat. Number two, bemoan, whine, complain. Number three, boycott, cancel PayPal, get rid of Disney. And then number four, beg. Did you say build? No. Beg. Beg for donations. Beg for people to support your thing because it's the thing they should buy instead of the thing that they actually want to buy. So rather than Christians making good products and starting good businesses and providing good services to actually compete like David, David doesn't beg. David just walks up and cuts off Goliath's head. But instead of competing by building, what we do is we get beat, we bemoan, complain, 
We boycott for three weeks and then we give back in and, and then we beg. The fifth B, which should just be number one, two, three, four, the, the only B is build. Build. Noah was constructing an ark and he did so for the saving not only of himself individually but the saving of his household. God is sovereign over salvation. The Bible clearly teaches that. He has mercy on whom he has mercy and he will harden whom he will harden. The salvation of our children is not the product in a direct sense of our faithful parenting. And we cannot, by our Christian parenting, somehow work the God of the universe into our debt. God does not owe us the salvation of our children. But God, who sovereignly determines the end, brings these ends about by his sovereignly determined means. Unconditional election is not arbitrary election. God works through the preaching of his gospel. God works through the ordinary means of grace, rightly administered by biblically faithful churches on the Lord's day. And God works through godly parenting in homes. He does. And I understand that Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. From now on, a house of five will be divided. There will be three against two and two against three. I will separate mother from daughter, daughter from mother, father from son, and son from father. But what Jesus is saying is not meant to be interpreted as the ordinary practice of God's work in salvation for all households in all places throughout all time. When Jesus said he came to bring division within a singular household, is because the kingdom of God, the seed, the mustard seed, was first being planted. It was the inauguration of the kingdom. The leaven had just, for the first time, infiltrated the batch of dough. In other words, give it some time. And in the providence of God, he has. How much time? Approximately 2,000 years. The gospel of the kingdom bursting on the scene in first century Israel is going to have a different effect than the gospel of the kingdom, that leaven, after having been worked in the batch of dough for 2,000 years. In other words, it is not normative for God to save only some or none of the children of believers. I reject that entirely. Is the salvation of our children owed to us? No. Is the salvation of all of our children a guarantee? No. 
but ordinarily, meaning more often than not, should Christian parents, not with presumption, but with humble and eager expectation, should they expect that God will save all of their children and that God will use the faithful means of his grace in the home and in the church to bring about the salvation of those children? Yes. And that is not exclusively, for the record, a Presbyterian view of households. Presbyterians do have that view. But there is nothing in Baptist theology that excludes us from being hopeful about our children. And for Baptists that are not hopeful in regards to their children, I have said before, and I will say it again and get in trouble this week on YouTube, I think it's the Baptist attempt to assuage their guilty conscience for the fact that their children grew up and apostatized. And they're placing the emphasis on God's unconditional election and a premillennial view that the same thing Jesus said to households in Israel in the first century hasn't altered at all 2,000 years later on the other side of the world. Two against three, three against two. It is God's normative practice to save maybe half or two-fifths of your household. And they're holding this view in the name of unconditional election in order to justify their failure. Because there is an alternative. We can look through 2,000 years of church history and we can assess whether or not it has been God's normative practice not to save the children of believers, or at least some of the children of believers. That has not been God's normative practice. So perhaps there's another answer. Rather than unconditional election being arbitrary election, rather than what Jesus said to first century Jews when the leaven is first introduced to the batch of dough, being a, an unalterable principle for all places and all times, perhaps the alternative is that in our particular culture, for the last few decades or so, we've neglected the means of grace. Right? Is it really just unconditional election? Or, or have there been a ton of Christian parents who didn't do family worship? Is it really just unconditional election? Or are there a ton of Christian parents that utilize public schools? Is it really just unconditional election? Or are there a ton of Christian parents who, who led their children to churches that did not teach sound doctrine, but rather were seeker-friendly, watered down, might that have something to do with this unusually large-sized crop of apostates? I think it does. And I think we can recognize that God is sovereign over who he saves, that God does not owe us the salvation of our children, that our good parenting does not equal salvation, 
We can say all that and affirm it as biblically true, which it is, and simultaneously say, and yet ordinarily God desires to save households. Ordinarily, we cannot presume, but we can humbly expect with a sense of assurance and hopefulness and confidence that as we seek to be faithful in our homes, God will save not just some, but all of our children. I think you can say that as a Baptist. If you can't, then I will become Presbyterian. I'm just letting you know right now. And for the record, I'm pretty sure that's about, that's how about 90% of people become Presbyterian. You know how people become Presbyterian? Their wives. Their wives say, which one is the one that tells me my babies are going to be okay? Yeah, that one. That's, that's what we believe. <laughs> and then the husband eventually relents. Now, that's my theory. All right. All that being said, the point is Noah, he did something not just for himself, but for his whole household. And his daily work that seemed as though it wasn't in direct confrontation of the evils of his day, that daily faithful work eventually is exactly what God used to preserve not just Noah, but his whole family through the waters of judgment. And so again, I say to fathers primarily in the room, what are you building? Are you practicing faithfully family worship in your homes? Are you being faithful to bring your children to a biblical church? Are you being faithful to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Are you taking personal responsibility as the head of your household to ensure that your children don't just get an academically rigorous education, but a distinctly Christian education? To be painfully clear, that means homeschooling with Christian curriculum or working extra hours so that you can afford to send the children to a Christian school, which means you're paying for two schools. You're paying for the lousy school that continues to fail, namely public school, through your taxes, and then you're paying for a school that's actually good, namely the Christian school that your children actually go to. And then what are you building in terms of an inheritance? The Proverbs say that a good man, some translations say a wise man, stores up an inheritance for his children's children. And although I believe that inheritance cannot be anything less than a spiritual inheritance of the gospel, I do believe that it should be more. That it is not only a spiritual inheritance, but that it actually involves cash. Which means, once more, to pick on prior generations, if you have a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says, spending our children's inheritance, according to scripture, you should be ashamed. And for the record, there is a strong biblical principle for the doctrine of disinheriting. You do not just give an inheritance to a worthless son. A worthless son who apostatizes because even faithful parents 
at times may have something like that happen. Not the norm, C point A, everything I said earlier, but at times it may happen that one of our children, God forbid, grows up and denies the faith. And the biblical principle is that that child would be cut out of the will. And for the record, reading the parable of the prodigal son as a prescriptive plan for parenting is not the way to read that parable. What are you building? Do you have an ark? Up here, ultimately, the highest level, the truest exegesis of the text is what? The ark is Christ. And we build the ark one way. We don't even build it. It was built for us. We enter the ark one way through faith. And by that, faith in Christ, we will be able to pass through the waters of not just a difficult age or society, but the waters of God's righteous judgment. That is the gospel meaning of the text. But we can understand the word of God in its highest gospel exegesis, but also in terms of practical principles here on earth as well. Fathers, what are you building? It's not just raising a righteous ruckus against the evil of our day, although that matters. Protesting matters. Preaching matters. Voting matters. But what we do in our homes, in our backyard, that little ark project, that the neighbors keep laughing at us, thinking that we're fundamentalist, thinking that we've lost our mind, they keep waiting to see us trade in our minivan for a horse and buggy, thinking, you know, any day now. That little project in our homes that the world thinks is crazy, that's powerful. What we're doing in our homes when we discipline our children according to Scripture, when we teach them God's Word according to Scripture, Husbands, when you set an example for your children by loving your wives, according to Scripture. Mothers, when your daughters see you submit to their father, rejecting the feminism and the spirit of this age. When you work extra hours to send your kids to that Christian school while still paying the ridiculous property taxes of Texas for that lousy school, and when you come as a family and it's loud and distracting because the kids are here and not shipped off to another room, but they see mom and dad worshiping and they hear preaching, these things matter. You are, by God's grace, building an ark. And God does not now, because of your good works, owe you the salvation of your children. I've said it a million times. That's the qualifier. But we can not presume, but eagerly and humbly expect that ordinarily, God will not just allow us to pass through the flood, but he will preserve our whole household. I believe that. I believe that the scripture teaches that. And I believe that that is not the highest meaning of our text today, but that that is one faithful interpretation at a practical level, at the level of the family of our text today. 
Oh, hi, I didn't see you there. Thanks for sticking around. I've got an important announcement to make. That's the Theonomy and Postmillennialism Conference. 2023, May 5th, 6th, and 7th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Theonomy and Postmillennialism. We've got the speakers that we've already had lined up. That's Dr. James White, Dr. Joseph Boot, Dr. Gary DeMar, non-doctor Pastor Joel Webin. But we also have a bonus speaker, and that is Dale Partridge from Real Christianity. Perhaps you've heard of him. If not, you should start listening to his podcast. It's fantastic. Dale Partridge is going to be joining our team. We're going to have live panels on Friday night and Saturday night where you'll be able to write in questions and get them answered. We're also going to have a catered barbecue Texas-style barbecue meal on Friday that's a part of your registration fee. All that is covered. So you need to get that. This is how you do it. Go and register right now at rightresponseconference.com. Again, that's rightresponseconference.com. God bless. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.